Good afternoon, hockey fans. It is Tuesday, April 17th, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of From the Press Box right here at the AHL Report. Um, As I said, it's Tuesday, April 17th. It's tax day here in the U.S., Rick. Uh, It's a great day to be alive on tax day. Um, and uh, we're here. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Amy Johnson. Of course, I've just mentioned my fabulous co-host, Rick Stevens, who's here with me every week. Rick, it's it's been a it's been a day. It's tax day and then some. Let me tell you. Well, we don't have uh, tax day here in Canada, but uh, I did see on Twitter that it's uh, January ninety oh, sixth. January ninety sixth day today. Um, which it sure feels like it with with the weather, with the with ice storms, with um, you know, uh, it doesn't feel like the middle of April at all. No, 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 no. I, 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 you were you were worried that I was going to say it was National Day of something. No, I'm 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 going to stay away well, from that. Well, you promised. Stay away from it. Yeah. No, I did promise. And and the <laughs> other part of it is that I don't happen to have any delicious cheese balls to partake in national cheese ball day today. Um, so I'm not going to mention um, what national day it is at all whatsoever today. Okay. Listeners, you heard him promise last week and he just did it. Promise made promise kept, right? That's right. Well, I'll let it slide because I just can't take any more today, folks. It's uh, it's a day. <laughs> oh, it's a day in the world of hockey. As we all know, I'm a Flyers fan. And, you know, the Flyers uh, in their postseason start against the Penguins have been a pretty big hot mess every other game. And then they're apparently a hot mess in practice, too, because Sean Couturier collided with Radko Gudas today, went down went off the ice. It's not good. Actually, Claude Giroux said it didn't look good. So, so that's, that's fun. Uh, yeah. And, um, breaking news this afternoon, right out of, uh, the Montreal Canadiens front office. Rick is probably where we're going to start. And that is that, uh, the rocket, of course, as we know, ended their season on Saturday. We'll, we'll get to that. And, and we were there for their last game of the season in Toronto. And just a couple of days after that, the Canadians have now announced today that head coach Sylvain Lefebvre has been relieved of his duties as head coach for the Laval rocket. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I believe that after the Canadians, end of year press conference you wrote an article in which you prognosticated that scapegoats would would be made and that Sylvain Lefay would likely be one of the scapegoats despite the season not the season record not being his fault uh, that's correct um, and and today we're seeing um, from both fans and from from media um, particularly on social media the less a person knows about what is uh, the situation uh, in Laval, the more they are celebrating this decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's commonly uh, put out there that, uh, you know, a, about uh, a lack of a playoff record, uh, that's completely irrelevant uh, if you know anything about the purpose of the uh, AHL affiliate or the, the, the actual defined role of, 
of um, of an AHL head coach. Um, you know, uh, some people say there's a lack of development. That's utter nonsense. Um, and and we talked before uh, in an earlier episode about um, uh, 23. And uh, it actually might be more than that. 23 players who have been groomed in uh, the Sylvain Lefebvre uh, system or at least groomed by him and his coaching staff uh, and have made, uh, have played in the uh, NHL this season, not all for the Montreal Canadiens, of course, uh, as uh, the general manager has been quick to, uh, to trade away prospects. Uh, And that's certainly not the fault of, of the head coach and neither is it the, in Laval and neither is it the fault of the head coach in Laval that when called up, um, a lot of times uh, players uh, don't get uh, the opportunity to make the impact that they should because they're either in the press box or um, are um, put into a nine or 10 minute roll down on the fourth line. And we've only seen players being able to show the true capability uh, like Jacob De La Rosa and, uh, and uh, others um, uh, when injuries hit in, in Montreal. So um, this was, yeah, that, uh, you know, the, the, I guess this loosens the the noose, uh, which had been become uh, quite tight around the neck of Mark Bergevin after their year end press conference with Mark uh, with uh, Jeff Molson. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is uh, you know they have tossed a sacrifice to the Montreal media gods basically, um, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean this this does not make uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, organization better. Um, but it it kind of um, quiets uh, people for um, for a long time, and and we'll see uh, who the replacement is, and if if they can in, uh, you know uh, entice anyone to come with the stipulation that uh, as as um, Sylvain Lefebvre had that you must must uh, implement. Um, Claude Julien system, and of course, you know Lefebvre was handcuffed by both Terrian and Julien's uh, system with both utter failures. And we talked on the Habs 360 podcast about the uh, abject failure of Claude of, um, of Claude Julien and and uh, and his system, and that was replicated um, um, by Fiat down in uh, Laval, and it was a disaster there too. With the the penalty kill, we've talked about. Um, Defensive zone coverage, uh, and the same mistakes that were happening in in with the Canadians were happening with Laval throughout the, the the year. And it hasn't just been this year; uh, that has been the mandate for many seasons, many seasons between the NHL club and the AHL affiliate. Uh, there there are some members of of the Montreal media who seemed, I don't know, maybe because the team is in Laval this year and they're actually paying attention to the AHL club, uh, that they're just seeming to discover this shocking realization that what, that the teams play the same system. Well, yes. Uh, and it has been widely known for many seasons and it hasn't worked for many seasons because of bad systems that have been in place. As, as Rick just said, uh, you know, Sylvain Lefebvre just, just did a, uh, a, an interview a week or so ago in which he was quoted as talking about how, 
you know, the purpose for having the same system is to help ease transition to the NHL for players when they are called up. Um, I believe Brett Learnout in, in, in an interview after he came back down also confirmed, yeah, it's the same system. So it, it makes it easier to adjust. You know, this isn't, it's not rocket science and it's not a new thing. It's, it's been going on for a long time. And so it's funny to me how folks want to call for the head of Sylvain Lefebvre over and over and over and over again, when the rockets win record isn't spectacular without understanding that, well, what do you expect him to do when he is playing the system that is losing at the NHL level? There's not, there's only so much you can do with that. Um, And there's only so much you can do when, frankly, um, you know, as, as Sylvan mentioned to us, you know, over, over the weekend when we spoke to him, he said, you know, every AHL team loses players to, to call-ups and injuries and things like that. However, they were bombarded with an, an exodus of a lot of their top six guys right at the beginning of the season, including losing their captain just a few days after he had been named captain and he never came back. Um, and the problem is that then those who were left to fill in the spaces didn't have a ton of experience. There were so many PTOs and ATOs this year and not, and not guys sitting in the wings that had a lot of experience at the AHL level. And it's, it's hard to, to gel things together from that. Um, Sylvan was also quoted in a recent interview talking again about something that Rick and I have talked about here on, on this, on this podcast many times about how development does not equal an appearance in the playoffs wins in the playoffs your win-loss record over the season, development is on a player-to-player basis. Yes, it's nice to win. Yes, it's good to get playoff experience, but that is not the first priority of the AHL team. And I understand people don't understand that. And I try really hard not to be snarky on days like this on Twitter when everyone is rejoicing and, and yay, they, it's, I, saw, I just saw someone tweet, this is the first good decision that the Canadians have made in a long time. Well, that's because you obviously don't understand the role of the staff at the AHL level and you don't understand the successes that they've had. Um, I certainly, Rick, I certainly understand, you know, after having both clubs have losing seasons, I understand they have to make an impact somewhere. I just believe that this was, this isn't, as you say, this does not make the Canadians organization any better. It really doesn't. Um, rumors are already swirling about who might be the replacement, who, well, who people, who fans would like to see be the replacement. I don't believe that that person, uh, is the solution either. Um, it's a systemic organizational issue. And until the owner and Mark Bergevin acknowledge that and change things from the ground up at an organizational level, we're going to, we're going to wash, rinse, and repeat year after year. Yeah, I think that's it. But, you know, it's funny that in the uh, Canadians' uh, year-end press conference with uh, Jeff Molson and Mark Bergevin, that they they spent a lot of time talking about communication and particularly transparency. And, and here's a situation where the lack of transparency um, over the years is actually helping the Canadians because – 
um, their lack of transparency has has they they haven't explained uh, what the purpose is of their AHL uh, affiliate. They haven't explained the role of the coach. They haven't um, you know said what their their goals are, what, what's uh, what's important. They haven't said that the systems uh, used at the AHL level are the same. Um, and so that that lack of transparency as they make this this scapegoat uh, sacrifice is is um, is benefiting them um, because uh, you know people are applauding this uh, and and don't have a clue what they're applauding. Um, you know it's we're talking about the system and and should mention um, that it's not only. Uh, many of us who have been critical of the Canadian system, uh, the Julian system that's used with the Canadians and the Rocket, uh, we heard in the year-end uh, pressers. We heard Victor Meta uh, specifically talking about, you know, I, I, I don't have a clue. Uh, this swarm defense that that uh, uh, Julian uh, teaches, I, you know, I've never seen it before. Uh, Carl Olsner said the same thing. How different. Um, this this coverage system um, uh, in the, the the defensive zone uh, was different than anything he's experienced in his career. And their offensive system, Max Pacioretty shredded in his uh, interview with Chris Nyland, saying, um, you know, it's it's one thing to shoot and and pile up the shots from all over the ice, uh, but it's not very effective. Uh, he'd rather see this the system. Uh, overhaul so that the Canadians have to the the players have to make plays uh, and go to the net and and and, and would be more successful in in uh, scoring goals which was which was a big problem. I think the other thing that that um, you know is is that elephant in the room that that nobody talks about and and that is uh, yes there was there was a lot of of recalls from Laval to. Um, Montreal because of of injuries and because of let's be honest here and because of the failures of the replacements that that Bergevin got you know his 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 rather than um, his failure to re-sign Radulov and Markov meant that he he brought in guys like Streit and Hemsky uh, and Schlemko Schlemko was in, injured um, and the other two just uh, it didn't work out and that that should have been known from the beginning. So to fill those gaps right away, um, you know, they dipped down to Lavelle. Um, And, and so that was an organizational mistake. And the other organizational mistake is the split affiliation with their ECHL affiliate, uh, the Brampton beast that were sending players, not only to Lavelle, but also to um, the Belleville senators, Uh, this, this, the split agreement with, with Ottawa so that, so that Belleville was being, um, you know, drained and, and or sorry, uh, Brampton was being um, emptied, uh, and there there weren't um, always quality uh, backups uh, available for Laval, and that certainly impacted um, the way that the, the 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 final result of of many games. Um, and, and we saw at the end of the season, I mean, my goodness, the number of ATOs and PTOs were were ridiculous. It really was. And, you know, it's how do you expect everyone knows that that call ups and injuries, the the 
the player turnover during the course of a season at, at a, for an AHL level club is enormous every year for every team. It's, it's just, it, it is the American league. That's what happens. Um, and kind of going along with, with, with what you were just saying and, and sort of what I was alluding to as well is it, it this comes down to Mark Bergevin and planning from a management level. How do you expect, you know, yes, the Canadians will say so many times, well, our, you know, we failed this season, but look at all of the injuries that we had. Well, also look at guys that just disappeared like Mark Streit and, and, you know, they're, they weren't lined up well from the beginning to have a successful season when that quickly became apparent. Um, and then, and then injuries started to happen very rapidly. How do you expect to have success at any level if you haven't stocked the cupboard? And that's not Sylvain Lefebvre's responsibility. That's not Larry Carrier's responsibility at the AHL level. That's Mark Bergevin's responsibility as the GM of the parent club to see the big picture and do all of the crisis planning this season. Let's face it. Let's call, let's call a spade a spade. This season was a crisis for the Montreal Canadians as far as personnel on the ice. And the GM is responsible for, for planning for all situations instead of being so short-sighted and so tunnel so so narrow-minded and having tunnel vision on on okay well 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 we really need a number one center so um okay I have Jonathan Drouin now and I'm just going to make him a center and then that will fix everything it doesn't work that way and and so suddenly all of these things happen all of these players get called out of Laval and your cupboards are empty and you have to pick them you have to restock them from an ECHL team, which has been cherry picked by another team, as as Rick was just saying. I just, I, you know, I, I, I come back to time and time again. Jeff Molson and Mark Bergevin need to do some serious introspection and understand that scapegoats aren't going to solve the problem. They have to solve the problem. They have to acknowledge and hold themselves accountable for the problems that they are creating at an organizational, with, with organizational consequences. With, with the, the Mark Streit, the, the, the Andre Markov, um, you know, failing to resign him was a huge impact. It impacted all kinds of things, um, you know, from Max Pacioretty's production, um, to d- defense, uh, to to goal scoring, to all kinds of things, uh, but but to for Mark Bergevin to believe that he could replace Markov with Mark Streit, it, on the face of it is is lunacy, um, and there are yet there are those out there in the media and and fans both who say, well, you know, uh, it it was a hail mary, um, it was worth a shot, and. Uh, you know, nothing lost. Um, he, Mark Streit wasn't against, you know, much against the cap. And, but they don't understand that, that um, the, 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 the failure of, of Mark Streit and the release of Mark Streit meant that somebody needed to be called up and meant that, that, um, that then the Laval Rocket were, 
were affected, impacted negatively. Um, so every decision, every decision made by the, by the uh, general manager has an impact. And it's led us to where uh, we are today. Um, Sylvain Lefebvre um, did not deserve um, the outcome that he got. Um, you know, um, Mark Bergevin doesn't deserve the outcome uh, that he's allowed to continue. Neither does Claude Julien. Um, and this is this is a problem with with the Montreal Canadiens, and it's a problem with an owner who has very little hockey knowledge, zero experience, and wants to, wants to play with his little play toy and, and be involved uh, on a daily basis as a co-GM, as, as he uh, hinted at, that he is with, with Mark Bergevin. Um, we're, we're seeing a, you know, a real organization, organizational um, uh, dysfunction and um, and and it's going to stay like that until significant changes are made. Not just not these little uh, scapegoating um, uh, firings like happened today. And you know, Rick, you're absolutely right there. And you and you know who else didn't deserve this season? The guys who actually go out and play on that ice, both at the NHL level and the AHL level. I'll focus on on the Laval level since since that's what we focus on here here on from the press box those guys i cannot not only yes it's 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 not great when when you've created this scenario and you've created this situation from a management standpoint and and so your your team has a has a horrendous losing record you won 10 games at home in your inaugural season in a brand new building in laval um they're lucky that the fans still packed that place all throughout the season. And we're going to hear some quotes here momentarily on, on, on what it was like for these guys getting to play in Laval this year. So sure. All of that really stinks, but try being the guys in the locker room that have to go out there every night and try to win a game and try to get up for a game and lose game after game, after game, after game. What do you think that does to the development of players? You want to talk about stripping confidence? You want to talk about having a season where, where, where are your prospects getting inspiration, motivation, confidence, experience? Where is that happening when, when they're in this environment of losing not because they're not going out there and working their tails off, but because they're, they're in a system that doesn't work. They're playing a system that doesn't work. You know, we've heard time and time again, goaltending was not the issue at any level this season. And we've heard goaltenders say to our faces, my gameplay this season is not reflective of my stats. So you have players that have to constantly tell themselves that, okay, my stat sheet looks horrible, but I played better than that. Well, eventually it gets really hard to keep telling yourself that, you know, you've got decision management decisions and coaching decisions. Like you call up Byron phrase and you leave him up there all season long. Someone tell me what did Byron phrase do for the Montreal Canadians this year? Somebody tell me perhaps, I don't know. Did you have prospects sitting down at Laval that could have been benefiting from the experience? 
Instead, you know, Logan Shaw's another great example. I mean, you you've got you've got guys sitting in the AHL chomping at the bit who are your prospects, guys that you've been developing for a long time, who you never gave a shot to in some in some instances, Jeremy Gregoire. And you've got this dead weight sitting up on the third and fourth lines in, in Montreal for, for what? Window dressing? They're, it's not like they're producing. It's not like they're, they're the bright spots on your season. And so it, that further goes along to how, how do you instill any kind of motivation and positive experience and development out of your players at the AHL level when they're in this kind of environment? And Rick, you know, so so going along with what you're saying about how, you know, Sylvain Lefebvre didn't deserve the season that he ended up with. Well, I, I don't think the players deserved it either. And and it had to have been re- especially down the stretch here these last couple of months. Um, it's been a long time since Laval won a game. It, it could not have been an easy room to be in day in and day out. No, I'm sure it wasn't. And uh, particularly when tokenism was was. <laughs> Um, you know, in full effect uh, in Laval. Um, we saw an article early in the season uh, on the Canadian's website crowing about the fact that there were, and I, I, I don't remember the number, 15, 16, 17 francophones uh, on the team. Now they were counting, I think they were counting uh, coaching staff as well in that. Um, mm-hmm. And how important that was, the whole article was how important that is uh, to to the the fans in Laval, um, I don't know um, the, the 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 Rocket fans that we've spoken to. Uh, I think would prefer a winning team, um, but we yeah, saw I... throughout. You know, we we saw. Um, I've I've yet to have anyone explain to me why Eric Jelena was signed. Um, mm-hmm. I, the worst the worst defenseman by. Far on on the uh, and, and don't tell tell me about a shot or whatever. Um, the worst defenseman by far on the Rocket this season, uh, regular defenseman. Um, and I and and th- th- this is this is this is an issue. And and uh, Jeff Molson mentioned it in his interview with Rajon Tremblay that he feels some obligation to uh, to be involved in the culture and the the social engineering. Um, and 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 at the expense, it, it appears of of hockey. We saw an article very in the last week um, about um, you know be sure to speak to Marcus Eisenschmidt in in French when you run into him. I didn't see anything in that article about um, talking about this transparency or better communication, explaining to Canadians fans or Rocket fans. Um, how well Marcus Eisenschmid plays hockey or his characteristics as a hockey player. Um, or the fact that he you know, speaks four languages. Well, okay, there you go. Um, speaks German, so, French, Spanish, and English. But only only one is important in the eyes of, of the Canadians. Um, and, uh, I th- you know, you want to talk frankly about, about reasons um, for – the Canadians, the Canadians organization having a terrible season, um, you know, that certainly has to be in the conversation. It does. We, in fact, uh, we spoke with, with Sylvain Lefebvre and uh, a few of the Rocket players 
on Saturday after their final game of the season in Toronto, which was another loss, um, before they headed a, uh, boarded the bus to, to take a long trip through some pretty nasty weather back to Laval. Um, and both Chris Terry and Sylvain Lafay both both had some reflection on the season in terms of just what we're just talking about. How do you find anything positive to pull out? Because at the end of the day, the purpose of development is to develop your players and help them to improve year after year. So even after a completely crap season like they've had, there's got to be something positive that they are able to pull out of this season to learn from and help them grow as people and as athletes. Um, and here's what Chris Terry had to say about that. Uh, the fans were tremendous this year. The, the building is top-notch, and um, we were really treated well. Uh, so I think it's uh, disappointing for us to have the season we did. Okay, well, we'll try that again because that was actually Chris Terry talking about how uh, playing in Laval was very fun. So he did, <laughs> he was uh, very impressed with playing in, in Laval. Here's what Chris Terry had to say about what he's taking away from the season. Yeah, obviously, you know, I think the biggest thing is that taste in your mouth of losing. I think uh, it's no fun. I mean, it hasn't, uh, has been fun coming in the locker room after losses every night. Um, I think as a leader, I, I need to learn from this year and um, you know learn uh, you know learn different things. You know maybe more control of uh, the locker room and as a team. And um, yeah, I think uh, when I re- reflect on this, uh, I think I'll have lots to take away. You know, it, it it almost hurts to hear guys have to talk like that about how the leaders in the room are saying, "What could I have done better as a leader?" And it's not on their shoulders because I imagine they had a very difficult time as a leadership core, uh, you know, and, and Chris Terry basically stepped into the captaincy role after Byron Fraze never came back, um, you know, without actually being given the C, um, you know, but to hear him say something like, you know, maybe I could have had better control over the room or, you know, there's, there's things that I'm going to have to learn about being a leader after a season like this. And that's, that's tough because that's that's not the burden that any of these guys should have to carry after this season. No, it isn't. And, um, you know, that's one um, one positive uh, that that uh, that the Rocket had, and that was their leadership core. Um, mm-hmm. Chris Terry, you mentioned uh, Adam Cracknell, who came over early in the season. Uh, for Peter Holland, came from from Hartford, uh, New York Rangers organization. And Matt Taramina signed uh, for a two-year contract in the offseason, most recently uh, last uh, year was with Syracuse. Um, And those three, um, you know, I think uh, held held the room together better than than they might, uh, you know, than otherwise, particularly with the record. And I think that you know, in speaking to them, um, at least one of them said that that um, you know, on paper at the beginning of the season, it was it was looking looking like the, it had the potential of a of a, a Calder Cup kind of roster and and at least a playoff roster. And then with all Absolutely. the as it got dismantled as the the season went along. Um, it just made that task uh, absolutely impossible. It did, you know, and and this was 
this was kind of a theme that was repeated uh, repeated throughout. You know, we spoke to Jeremy Gregoire as well. He he certainly had some dejection on his face in 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 his recollection of the season. Uh, we spoke with Mike McCarron. He he called it the most mentally challenging season he's had in hockey, um, and and talked about how. Uh, the organization is better than the product that they put on the ice and that it was just an embarrassment. Um, And so when it came to Sylvain Lefebvre, we asked, so what do you, what do you have, what do you hope that your players took out of a season like this? And, and this is what Sylvain had to say. I think uh, when you, when you deal with adversity, uh, you know, the way, uh, the way you work through it, uh, the way, uh, you uh, you try to regroup together as a team. Uh, the way that uh, uh, that you learn from it, uh, you know, can be a positive. Uh, sometimes it's not right away. Sometimes it may take a while. Uh, but I think that uh, uh, it's experiences. You know, it's not failures. It's experiences that you know, you know. If you see it that way and learn from those experiences, you know, you can come out of it, uh, you know, um, a stronger person uh, and uh, a stronger team as well. People can criticize me all they want. Go ahead and at me. Come at me. Go right ahead. Quotes like that are why I believe Sylvain Lefebvre is a good coach, is a very good coach. Growth through adversity is some of the the, the best growth that that can happen. When things are just handed to you easily, you don't grow as much. You don't want to see a team have to go through the adversity that they went through this year but the fact that he's trying to get his guys to focus on the fact that they made it through the season and worked hard and maintained character and did the best that they could and to find ways to grow out of the season, you know, it's not an easy pill for, for, for Sylvan and his, and his coaching staff to swallow either. No, it's not. Um, and I mean, there's all kinds of, um, things that that uh, you know as I, I i i say often we're privy we report one-tenth of of what we're we're privy to um and that's by design um and it's not that we're keeping anything um but but we we gather information uh, that provide context that, that give us some insight um, and that that combined with the uh, you know experience combined with long term of, of following this right back to the Hamilton days, uh, this AHL affiliate that allow us to be able to bring you the kind of coverage that that we do. But um, you know just little things about that you know about this coaching staff, and it's 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 um, you know when you talk to a guy like uh, as we did Connor Crisp. And, uh, you know, he, he talks about, um, and Connor Crisp is a forward. He's not a defenseman, but he talks about uh, Donald Dufresne and, and the, the amount of, of time that was spent with him when he was um, rehabbing from his injury and, and the impact that he had on his career and his out, mental outlook and, and, how, and how he sees hockey and life. Um, you know, we, we, we hear about Eric Nielsen, who's, who um, you know, had a long career in the AHL and is now uh, has dipped his toe into the coaching um, uh, part of of his career, and and that he still he still calls and asks for advice. 
from the Rocket uh, coaching staff, and you know it's they they are well respected um, in in uh, the hockey community, and um, and for good reason, and and particularly you know by their players because they're treated as family. It is a family kind of uh, philosophy, um, and and they're they're protected. They're they're uh, you know, um, unlike Claude, Ju- Claude Julian, who and Mark Bergevin, who call out their players publicly uh, on a at least yeah. a weekly basis, uh, it's it's not something that that we've seen. Um, it's it's a very very different environment, um, and um, and that part of it um, is uh, is going to be missed. Absolutely. So it's you know we would lo- we would love to of course hear your thoughts as well. We're certainly hearing plenty of them in terms of the hooray Sylvain Lafave getting fired is is a great decision uh, category and and if you feel that way we'll certainly uh, happy to talk with you about it as well. Um, but in 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 any of these situations throughout the year and especially during the off season it's going to be a I think an active off season it's going to be interesting to see what happens um feel free to hit us up anytime on social media open a discussion open a conversation uh we're always happy to 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 talk um as openly as we as we can be uh about just our perspective and and different opinions and things like that uh on the Laval Rocket and and personnel changes and, and things that happen. Uh, so be sure to, to contact us on, on social media. So Rick, it means that there's, you know, now we all wait with bated breath. The, the, the Canadians have determined that uh, Nick Carrier, Donald Dufresne and Marco Marciano will stay in place for now. Whomever they choose as the new head coach will then, as they say, evaluate the three of them to determine if they will stay on or not. Um, which, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know how you, I don't really know how you put that into a press release with a straight face. Like, I don't know. I, that's gotta be one of the most awkward situations um, in, in the world of business. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see if any of those three uh, stay. Certainly, hope to see them keep their jobs. Uh, we've heard so many positive things that you were talking about, um, you know, how much, how much positive feedback we've heard from players about their work with Donald Dufresne. Uh, I can say that we have heard an equal amount of positive feedback from goaltenders in terms of their work with Marco Marciano, whether it's Zach Lucali, Michael McNiven, or Charlie Lindgren, all three of them, sing Marco's praises up and down. Um, in in the, the last interview that we did with Charlie Lindgren two weeks ago, which the video of that you can find on the AHL report, um, we asked Charlie how he felt he handled this season, and he attributed a lot of his success to uh, Marco Marciano being able to kind of keep him focused, and it, as he said, uh, he was not only my goaltending coach, but sometimes he was also my guidance counselor because there were days I came to the rink and I didn't feel like putting the work in. I was frustrated. I was mad. And, and he would snap me out of it. Um, it. Coaching goes beyond just the, the tangible skills on the ice. And Michael McNiven has said the same thing that Marco has been, has been integral to, to his adjustment to his 
to the, to the pro level uh, and the especially the AHL level coming into the AHL so quickly once he's in his rookie season. Um, and Zach Vakali has worked with Marco Marciano extensively over the last few years. Um, so, Rick, I, th- I really think that, that there is value in the coaching staff. Um, we just have to wait to see what's going to happen. And I think that's an important point because many people look to um, uh, coaches to be uh, strategists. Um, and that that doesn't really come into play um, at the AHL level because, as we've mentioned, uh, they use the strategy that the the game plan that uh, the approach, the philosophy to the game that's that's um, you know in use by the head coach in the Montreal Canadiens. So at at the AHL level, you're looking for instead of a, a strategist, you're looking for a teacher, and there's mm-hmm. obviously a very strong group of teachers. Uh, that's one thing that uh, they excelled at. Uh, every single one of of uh, 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 both, uh, well, Sylvain Lefebvre and every single one of his assistants uh, excelled at being uh, teachers um, uh, at the AHL level. For sure, uh, I th- I think that this year, uh, since since things are happening rather quickly, I think I, I think it's pretty safe to say that Rick and I are going to need to make our um, 2018-19 coach and captain predictions and seal them away in our envelopes pretty quickly, probably this week, <laughs> because who knows how fast and furious things are going to happen. Uh, if you recall, we did that last year at the end of uh, the ice cap season where we both put pen to paper and wrote down, without seeing each other's answers, wrote down who we were predicting was going to be the new head coach uh, or who would be the head coach and who would be named captain uh, for the Laval Rocket. We'll do that again this year. We'll probably uh, seal those away this week before before too much uh, more turnover or personnel changes take place. Um, and Rick, probably next week uh, as as we start to get into the Calder Cup playoffs as well, I think you know this week we spent a lot of time talking about, uh, rightfully so, uh, the coach uh, with this news that he's been fired today. Next week I think we'll get into um, – the fact that it's not just coaching personnel that could potentially have major turnover and major changes this summer. Um, the majority of the rocket roster is either USA or RFA this summer. And so, uh, you know, folks will want to come back next week and, and hear kind of the breakdown of, of where the roster stands, who's up for contracts, what kind of contracts and, and just our thoughts on who should come back, who shouldn't come back who could come back, um, you know, those, those kinds of things. Cause I think it's good. I think it's going to be an interesting summer. I, I really do. And goodness knows it'll, it'll all start with the draft in just a couple of months. Um, speaking of the summer, we did uh, ask a couple of the players on Saturday, just their plans on, on getting to summer training. You know, it's, it's, it's not the easiest thing to uh, <laughs> to talk about after you've literally just walked off the ice for your last game in a disappointing season. Um, most everyone we spoke to, including the coaches, said, first, we need a little rest and relaxation, um, rest bodies, rest minds, that, those kinds of things. But uh, we did ask Jeremy Gregoire and Mike McCarron their plans on training for this summer. Um, and we will start with Jeremy Gregoire. Here is what... Um, 
he had to say about that. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta take a little, uh, little day, couple of days to just think about the season, just let it go away, and then train harder. You know, we we always want to improve our speed, our strength, our like everything. It starts in the gym, and I'm, uh, I can't, I'm able to say I'm a gym rat, so I'm looking forward to that. He said that with a pretty big smile too. You could tell that despite the fact that they just finished the season, he's he's already chomping at the bit to get into the gym. He had a big smile on his face when he said, I I'm I'm proud to say I'm a gym rat and I'm looking forward to getting right at it. Um you know, and we'll we'll talk a little more about Jeremy Gregoire probably next week. But Rick, it's it's always he has he has a hunger to fulfill that dream of making it to the NHL and, and he works really, really hard and you can tell that he's He's probably only going to need a week or so, and he's going to want to be back in the gym. Yeah, he he um, his work work ethic uh, on and off the ice is um, is is what's what's brought him to this level, and and what will uh, take him to the next level. Um, um, you know, when he when he does make his debut in the NHL, um, yeah, he's he's got a very uh, his his. His mindset, his focus is is um, is also really, really strong. And um, you know, there was there was a play um, early in the season where um, he, I believe it was in Hartford um, that he he made a turnover, and, um, and which led to a, a, a in his own zone that led to a, a scoring chance, and Michael McNiven made the save and. Uh, after the you know uh, McNiven had frozen the puck, uh, Gregoire came over and just uh, shattered his stick on the on the net and um, asked him. I asked him about it after the game and and he just said, um, you know, it didn't. It, there was no there was no consequence um, uh, about it because McNiven was there to back him up. But Gregoire um, was just so angry at himself. Um, and he said that, that he just, he doesn't, he, he expects more of himself. Um, you know, I think we had asked if the coach, and he said, no, he didn't have to, he expects and demands more of himself. Um, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, is, is going to focus to make sure that doesn't happen again. And it was a real kind of, um, a small play, a small moment, but a real insight into the kind of, of character that he has um and um and the the kind of player that he is absolutely uh, another player that of course has been um the topic of conversation uh, during his stint up in the nhl as well as michael mccarron um uh, this was his last year on his contract he goes rfa this summer uh, again we'll we'll go into more more in depth on all of these kinds of things uh on next week's show but we also asked him about his summer and and what he plans to do for for his training and here's what he had to say yeah i think this year i'm going to take a little bit more time on the ice and uh rather than in the gym i think um same kind of time in the gym but but i'm going to get on the ice more often i was only on the ice for for two two days a week and i think i think this summer i'm going to be three or four so um I think that'll help my power skating and, and my ability to, to be strong on my skates. And um, that's really what I'm really uh, looking forward to this summer. You know, and, and McCarron's one of those every single year he admits time and time again that he knows that he needs to work on his skating because 
of because of his size and that it's always going to not be his strong suit. Um, and and people tend to still criticize him for it. Um, he trained he seemingly trained very hard last summer. He came back pretty strongly in the fall and it sounds like he's taking that seriously yet again. Um, and it sounds Rick like he's going to, to focus even more on the skating. Um, again, you know, it seems like he's doing the things that are, that are being asked of him. It's just, you know, when, when will he be rewarded for, for the hard work? Well, it's interesting because here's another case where uh, a lot of the social media, uh, a lot of the fans on social media and even the mainstream media, um, you get into this groupthink uh, thing uh, that's really quite dangerous. And, and um, you know, it's, it's uh, oh, Mike McCarron, yeah, he's too slow for the NHL. And, and those are the people that, that haven't seen the progress that he's made, haven't watched him in, in, in the AHL uh, at all. And, mm-hmm. um, and just go on and, and parrot this nonsense. And, and last summer, um, uh, Mike McCarron partnered up with Tori Mitchell in Montreal. They trained, they ate, they spent all their time together and, and Tori Mitchell helped uh, McCarron just completely overhaul himself, uh, changed his, his, um, uh, his his workouts changed his diet, um, and and when we when we first met uh, Mike McCarron uh, last fall, he looked different. He had uh, you know his face was different. It had slimmed down. He had completely transformed himself. Um, his foot speed was much improved last fall. His stamina, uh, which uh, he spoke to us about, was much improved. He was stronger. Uh, he was more lean. Um, he made uh, great strides. Um, and then his challenge, uh, this whole AHL and NHL year was that, um, at some point in the early in the season, the, the Canadians management decided to, uh, change who he was as a player, change, um, uh, his style of game, change where the way he, uh, he fit in the lineup so that, they changed his. They took him off the scoring line, the top line in in Laval. Uh, they they asked him to play more of a, a, a shutdown game, um, a more and and a physical game. Um, and they he started um, getting shifts on the penalty kill. His his game was completely turned upside down, and um, not not getting a lot of feedback from the the uh the NHL level a lot of the time he was uh confused frustrated um um and disenchanted uh early in the season so i appreciate the way he's uh even with all these obstacles and challenges uh you know many not of his own making he's um he's tried to stay positive um and he's taking on this new level. and and you know, it takes time to, to change uh, his game. And we saw when he was called up to the NHL level, we saw him, we saw him thinking and processing rather than just reacting. Um, and he'll, you know, he'll get that. He'll, he'll figure it out. He'll get used to his new role. Um, if he stays in that role and, and adapt to it and, uh, and be able to contribute at the NHL level where he most certainly belongs. Interestingly enough, um, for the last final game of the season on 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 Saturday, uh, he returned to centering the top line 
in Laval for right. that last game, uh, which which I thought was was rather interesting after him being on the second line for the entire season. Um, but yes, I, I agree with all of that there, and, and we'll uh, we'll expand on on that and and all of the other uh, UFAs and RFAs that are that are coming up for new contracts uh, this summer on next week's programs. So be sure to come back and join us next Tuesday for that. It's, it's going to be a good discussion and, and certainly one that we'd like to, uh, to get some fan input uh, and listener input in on as well. Um, so it was a, uh, not the, not the best way to end the season. We would have liked to have seen Laval uh, take a couple of wins to, to end their season, but it just wasn't meant to be. Um, sorry to hear of the uh, firing of Sylvain Lefebvre today, but be sure uh, you can be sure that we're going to stay on top of all of the news coming out of Laval and Montreal throughout the summer. Uh, We're not going anywhere anytime soon as, uh, as true hockey fans know, there really is no off season and there will be a lot of news happening regularly. So uh, be sure to, to follow along with us on social media and be sure to uh, tune in here every week as we keep bringing you the news as it becomes available. So Rick, before we before we completely leave the topic of the Laval Rocket, we do have to end on and end that portion of today's show on a positive note because it can all be doom and gloom. And we have talked uh, time and again about how there were a couple of bright spots for for the Rocket this season. Uh, a big one was Chris Terry, and um, I, I will say publicly that I actually believe that Chris Terry deserved the AHL MVP award this year. Um, as, as we're about to talk about, he did end up uh, winning the points race in the AHL this season. He came out on top. Uh, Phil Verone was close behind him and he is the one who actually ended up winning the league MVP award this year. In my opinion, while it's it's no small feat to to rack up that many points on any team for any player, I feel that with Chris Terry missing a ton of games due to injury and racking up that amount of points and and winning the scoring race as far as points go um, on a team that had the record that the Laval Rocket did, that's MVP worthy material to me. So, and in, in in this reporter's and commentators humble opinion Chris MV, Chris Terry should have been MVP this year but that is that is not to say Rick super proud and happy to announce that Chris Terry not only um won the league points race he did so on the day of his playing his 500th AHL game and that's that's pretty special Absolutely um finished the season with 71 points uh on one of the league's worst worst teams, um, who had trouble scoring goals, uh, who gave up a lot of goals. He he uh, won the Solenberger Solem- Trophy as the the uh, AHL's leading scorer. A remarkable accomplishment. And let's not forget that that uh, in 2017 that Terry was second uh, only to Kenny Agostino. Um, who was the uh, the top scorer last season? So uh, this is t- two seasons of of um, uh, success uh, for the uh, St. John's Icecaps and now Laval Rocket. Um, absolutely re- um, uh, remarkable. Um, thirty two goals, thirty nine assists. He's just off the um, 
the 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 goal score it was second in in uh, in goals as well uh but it was his uh career best 71 points uh in just 62 games because there was uh, some injury time there as well and and uh, you know Trippy told he's been playing with uh an uh, an injury um playing with that injury since he came back so uh full credit to um full credit to Chris Terry um and and it should be uh, you know something that's celebrated by by rocket fans also Matt Terramina as well um in points mm-hmm. for defenseman power power play points um as as uh you know Adam Cracknell finished with with uh, 29 goals um so that leadership group was uh they they delivered in every aspect and let's let's uh you know uh make another stick tap to the coaching staff because uh, Chris Terry was, was without a point in that final game at Rico Coliseum uh, against the Toronto Marlies and uh, Toronto got into penalty trouble. Um, uh, you know, with, with just a couple minutes left in the game, they were two men down. Um, and at, at that point, um, Sylvain Lefebvre pulled Michael McNiven to go to a six on three advantage uh, and while they didn't score then when, uh, you know, one of the Marlies came out of the penalty box, it was, it was shortly thereafter, uh, probably a minute 20, minute 15 left in the game where uh, Adam Cracknell uh, got the power play goal. Uh, Chris Terry got the, the assist to give him his uh, 71st point, and that gave him uh, the scoring championship, as you said, one above uh, Phil Veroni and two above Austin Zarnick uh, of Providence. Really, really remarkable. Uh, so, so happy for Chris. Uh, he's, as as usual, uh, was very humble about it after the game. is a, is a team first kind of guy, um, and and certainly was thankful to his teammates for being supportive. And and that you know it's it's great, but would have liked to have won more instead. Those kinds of things, but that that takes no shine off the fact that he did something very remarkable this year. Um, and uh, in, in, as we said, playing his 500th AHL game. So congratulations to Chris Terry. Um, really, really standout season for him. Uh, AHL All-Star again this year. Um, and just big congratulations to him. So, Rick, I guess that takes us to really what is the big news of in all of hockey right now, which everyone is talking about, which is the playoffs and the NHL playoffs, the Stanley cup playoffs are already well underway. I, I will, uh, I will stop to make a, a note here that on last week's program, I was, I was laughed at for saying that Las Vegas is going to win the Stanley cup. And um, so far, they haven't lost a game in their series against the LA Kings, so they are well on their way to making my prediction come true. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I also have well, Columbus. I, don't know up. Who, I would. I don't know who was laughing. Uh, probably, you know, whoever <laughs> people in your Philadelphia studio there. I right. wasn't laughing. So. Well, and I also, I also uh, took Columbus as my upset pick for for the first round, and they're doing a bang up job of doing just that to Washington right now. Um, so I'm liking I'm liking how my bracket's working out so far. The Flyers could play a little better, but but your uh, your Winnipeg Jets are doing all right. Um, 
Yeah, a little bit of a, a stumble last game, but that's all right. Um, well, the Wild just announced Zach Parise. Anyone who has out. to spend Duluth time in Duluth, Minnesota, you know, it, it really affects you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so they'll, the, be fine. they'll be fine tonight. And and the Wild just announced that Zach Parise is out week to week uh, after fracturing his sternum in game three. So the Wild are down a little bit of a little bit of a weapon there. So. The NHL playoffs well underway. It's been uh, been exciting to watch so far, but guess what? That means that this weekend the first round of the Calder Cup playoffs begin, um, and there are some really good matchups. I think the Calder Cup playoffs are going to be pretty fun uh, this year. It's going to be very interesting. We'll start off. I should uh, shameless uh, self promotion plug here. Uh, if you're if you're just a hockey fan in general and are looking forward to to getting things started in the Calder Cup playoffs and then you missed last week's show, then you'll have missed our announcement that uh, here at the AHL Report, we are going to continue bringing you live coverage of some playoff games. We're going to be uh, covering the Lehigh Valley Phantoms full-time throughout um, throughout the playoffs, uh, and hopefully they go deeper than the first round, which means we'll see uh, see them up against uh, more than one team. And so we'll bring you some some interviews and some insight and so, so forth on, on that uh, – Atlantic division uh, matchups and the Atlantic division was a really tough division this year. So should be some really good hockey. So be sure to tune in for that. And if you have friends and family who, who are fans of any of the teams that we'll be covering uh, more in depth, please have them follow along with us at the AHL report on Twitter. Um, But I guess uh, Rick, we should, uh, we should officially lay down our first round predictions for the Calder cup playoffs. Set it in stone. Bragging uh-huh. rights on the line here. So we'll start, I guess. Uh, and our, our we're doing we're doing what we're doing first round first round predictions. Which team is winning each series, and and what the series record will be? All right. Is that what we're doing? Is that what we're doing? Or that's fine. I want to make sure. I don't want to. I don't want to catch. Got a lot of preparation on. into this. Okay. Well, let's start with that. Well, let's start with the Phantoms. We'll start in that Atlantic division, the Phantoms and, and this, the matchups came down to the wire. It came down to the last day of the the regular season to determine who was going to play the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And it is going to be the Providence Bruins. Um, I'm taking the Phantoms to win this. Uh, Oh, I should, I should note for, for folks who aren't as familiar with the Calder cup playoffs, the first round of the Calder cup playoffs is a best of five series. So things happen really fast in the first round. You can find yourself out of the playoffs if you go down three to nothing in the series and you're done. Um, and so typically it's uh, it's looking like a lot of the teams are starting with playing the first two games uh, away and then the final three games, if three games are necessary on the, on the team on the ice of the, of the team that has the home ice advantage. Um, so I have the Phantoms beating the Bruins three to one. All right. Um, yeah, just to further explain that. Yes. Five games. Uh, the format, the, the, I, I don't like five games. I really don't. No, uh, I don't. It's and, too if, short. and it's, and it's only five games for the first round. Then they revert to seven games. And we said this last year, if the ECHL can do seven, 
um, in their first round. But anyway, that's a whole other argument. Right. Um, but the 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 formats differ. Um, yes. So as as you said, it's typically for most of these series, it's it's uh, two and then three. Uh, and the the team with a better record has a choice of where where they want to start, whether they want the first two games at home or the last three games at home. Mm-hmm. However, there's other there's other uh, series in here that are two to one, and there is one which is bizarre to me. Uh, well, it's not when you see where where they're the, the location, but there's there's one series that's one 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 one, one. yeah yeah. It's, Which is it's not just alternating <laughs> back and forth. Oh, so much fun. But the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and the Providence Bruins, they are going to start. It's going to be a two and three. So they'll start in Providence for the first two games this Friday and Saturday night. Then they like it. There's a big layoff. Like the teams play their first two games this weekend, and then they have almost a week off before they play game three, which is crazy. Um, so I have the Phantoms winning this series over the Bruins three to one. I have, uh, I'll differ a little bit in that I have the Lehigh Valley Phantoms winning in four games. All righty. Which is actually the same thing, but anyway. I was going to say, that's the same exactly. (laughs) You just have to be contrary. So, uh, the other matchup in the Atlantic Division, um, I think, is going to be a good series. The Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins will face off against the Charlotte Checkers, who have been phenomenal this year. Uh, I have the Checkers taking this, and I have them taking it to five games. So, I have the Checkers winning this series three to two. And we should mention, um, in in the earlier series, uh, Lehigh Valley is the top seed. Uh, Providence is the number four in in mm-hmm. this bracket, uh, again, this is all in the Atlantic Division. Uh, Wilkesbury Scranton is the number two seed. Uh, Charlotte is the number three. Uh, but despite that, I have uh, the Charlotte Checkers upsetting um, Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins in five games. Are we going to go and, through and this again? Partly, <laughs> I, I don't know, and 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 that's partly because they they. Um, they won nine of their their final uh, ten games of the season. Um, yes, and they, they did. Have uh, ha- they won three out of the four uh, games against the Penguins head to head? So um, I expect the Checkers to take this. Yep, but I I agree that it's gonna it's gonna go to five games because Wilkesbury is not gonna go down easily. Uh, moving over to the North Division. Um, we have the number one seed Toronto Marlies taking on the number four seed Utica Comets. I also think that this one is going to go to five games, but I have Utica upsetting Toronto three to two. Um, I think Thatcher Demko is going to come is going to be the difference maker. Uh, I think the goaltending for the Comets is going to come up big for them. That's certainly possible. Uh, although Toronto has uh, their own star, as as it were, in in Ned and Garrett Sparks, and he was sure. uh, named the the goaltender of of the year. So I have uh, the Marlies taking this in in four games. The Marlies also finished very strong, winning eight of the last ten, um, and um, and won five of the the eight games played against the the Comets this season. So I will we'll differ there for real. Um, I'm picking the Marlies. 
All righty. Uh, next up, we have the number two seed in the North Division, the Syracuse Crunch, against the number three seed, the Rochester Americans. I do think while the while the Amherst have have had a, a pretty strong season this year, they have a good roster. Syracuse is just dangerous out there, and I think the Crunch are going to take this one in four games with a three to one record. Yeah, I think the the Crunch are going to take it, but I think the series is going to be closer. Um, the uh, Syracuse won six of the 10 games. Uh, Rochester won four. Uh, so I think this one's going to be stretched to five games uh, with, with the crunch uh, winning. All righty. Moving over to the central division. Um, this would be that, uh, that series that is going to alternate home and away each game, uh, starting with the, the number one seed Chicago wolves up against the number four seed Rockford ice hogs. So they'll play, in Chicago, then in Rockford, then in Chicago, then in Rockford, then in Chicago, if it goes that late. Um, I think this is also going to stretch to five games, but Chicago is going to come out on top in this one. Chicago is consistently a very strong team. Uh, so I have the Wolves with a 3-2 to two record over the Ice Hogs. It's, it's going to be an interesting one um, because both teams finished fairly strong. Um, they have a, a, you know, the Wolves have the edge in the, just an edge in the head-to-head record. Um, so I, I, I see it going um, and needing all five games. And that, that format, I think, is going to, uh, is going to be interesting and, and play into the result a bit. Mm-hmm. The other series in the Central Division, of course, is the number two seed, the Grand Rapids Griffins, versus the number three seed, the Manitoba Moose. Um, and yes, I said number three seed Manitoba Moose after sitting at the top of the central division for pretty much the bulk of the season, Manitoba did slip a little bit in the, in the, like the the kind of two thirds of the way through the season. And they ended up slipping down into the third seed position. However, I think they are going to echo what the parent club is doing. They are still a very strong team. And I have the Moose taking this one in a three game sweep of the Griffins. I have the Moose winning this series three to nothing. Actually, sorry, four to nothing, three to nothing. Yes, I can't three, do math. Three to nothing. Yeah. Three to nothing. <laughs> uh, well, let's just say let's just say that I hope you're right. Um, uh, the as you said, uh, the the moose were on top of the central all season long, the, and and um, they played extremely well. They they dominated. Uh, yes, uh, they did. The rocket, um, and but. Um, they 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 slid at the end. Um, Grand Rapids, uh, you know, uh, seven out of their last ten games, uh, they made a st- uh, surge for the uh, uh, and and got that second that second seed. Um, and sadly, I'm I have them uh, coming out of this series, uh, but that it's going to go to a full five games. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens there. So that leaves us with the Pacific Division. Number one seed Tucson Roadrunners against the number four seed San Jose Barracuda. Um, and wow, talk about uh, Rick and I both took the Ducks uh, to win to win the first round series at the NHL level. And man, the Sharks are are one away from sweeping them out of the playoffs. So it's been a bit of a surprise. But uh, the Barracuda. Uh, are playing the Roadrunners. I have the Roadrunners taking this one three to one. 
I don't think the Barracuda are going to have the success that the parent club is having. Well, I've got, uh, gee, again, we're going to disagree. Uh, I've, I've got the Barracuda coming out in this one in, in five games. Okay. Um, I, yeah, whether it's, uh, whether it's the parent club bleed over, whether it's uh, my lack of faith in, in the Arizona team. <laughs> uh, now both played pretty well down the stretch uh, and, and, and Tucson uh, was on uh, the top of the standings uh, as it was, uh, uh, Texas tied uh, Tucson in points, although they played eight more games um, uh, because of of the the imbalanced schedule. Uh, but I'm I'm, I'm going to go with um, with the Barracuda with the upset here. All right. Last but not least, the number two seed Texas Stars against the number three seed Ontario Rain. Um, I have Ontario winning this one, but I think this is going to stretch to five games. Um, so I have the rain winning this three to two over the Texas stars. Yep. I have uh, the rain um, upset. It would be a, a minor upset, I guess, of Texas. Um, and it'll go to five games. All right. So we've got some agreement, but we have some disagreement. Always good to have a little friendly competition around the rocket sports uh, media crew. But, of course, we would love to hear uh, your thoughts on this series, on, on these series as well. So be sure to tweet us at the AHL Report. Let us uh, know what your predictions are before the Calder Cup playoffs start this Friday night. Um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be good. We will have all of the updates for that. Of course, updates as they happen throughout the week with the Laval Rocket and the Montreal Canadiens. Um, you can find uh, Rick also on Twitter at all halves. You can hit him up there. You can find me on Twitter at flyers rule and uh, be sure of course, to, to check out our other podcasts here at rocket sports radio. That would be have a listen Habs unfiltered and Habs 360. You wouldn't want to miss any of the offerings that we have uh, lots of opinions, lots of perspective, lots of news, lots of insight. But, of course, we love it when you come back here every week, every Tuesday here at the AHL Report for From the Press Box, where you get real reporting literally from the press box as we, uh, as we continue to cover the Laval Rocket and plenty of other AHL teams uh, live and in person and speak to coaches and players uh, throughout the league. Rick, thanks so much for uh, being here again today. It's uh, it's a bit of a contentious show today since we had uh, some some bad news to kick things off with, uh, both with the uh, Rocket finishing their season and, and Lefebvre leaving. Um, but I think we offered a lot of good insight today. Great show. And uh, and as we move into the, the second season, uh, and uh, that being the, you know, the best time of the year, the, the, the playoffs in both the NHL and AHL, and uh, we'll be here to cover every step of it. We absolutely will. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Amy Johnson. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday for another great episode of From the Press Box. Until then, have a great week. <laughs>